0: Welcome to episode 156, I'm Stuart McCullough, I'm the CEO of VHAA. Now it's time for this week's weekly update. Joining me for this week's weekly update where we go in-depth with a particular subject is the Manager of Workplace Relations Services and aspiring slam poet, Tim Nagel. Welcome Tim. Thanks Stuart. Tim, would you do the honours and reveal the clue uh, that will guide today's discussion? And fair warning to you, this is a multimedia clue. So if you could uh, hold up the first picture of the camera, and we'll just get that on screen. Uh, Do you recognise that? No. So that's Missy Misdemeanor Elliot, and we've just got a short clip we're going to play now, which will assist you to answer uh, this particular particular clue. So that's the song, Work It uh, by Missy Elliott. And that provides the first half of today's clue, the, the term work. Uh, there's a second clue there as well. Surely, surely, Tim, you, you recognize this image. Perhaps this, hold it up to the camera.
1: This looks like Pac-Man.
0: That's correct, Tim. Uh, but we also have a little bit of footage to show, that to remind people who uh, have forgotten Pac-Man, or indeed for those people who are unfamiliar with Pac-Man's work. So that gives us the second half. Uh, That gives us PAC. So if we put together uh, our clue from Missy Elliott and our clue from Pac-Man, we'd get what? Uh, Missy Elliott Pac-Man. Indeed, that would be a wonderful world where Missy Elliott Pac-Man would chase after dots and and there'd be ghosts and all that sort of stuff. But no, Tim, you couldn't be more wrong. Uh, It's a reference to a particular decision, uh, a full court decision of the uh, federal court uh, involving a company called WorkPAC and in particular a decision called WorkPAC and Rosato uh, and its impact on casual employment. And we'll be discussing that decision in full, uh, but for those people who want to know more information about that particular decision, or indeed uh, simply want to read along, uh, the full citation appears on the screen at the moment. So why is is this such a significant decision? So there are a couple of things to note. Uh, First of all, it's a full court decision of the Federal Court, so it's significant in that sense. And what's the case about? Well, that's the other thing that makes it uh, significant. It's about a casual employee who received a casual loading seeking to retrospectively claim leave entitlements. But doesn't casual loading compensate for those leave entitlements? So generally speaking, uh, casual loading compensates for a couple of things. Uh, First of all, it compensates a person for the insecure nature of the work. Uh, But it's true, Uh, casual loading is also intended to compensate for some leave entitlements. But not all leave entitlements? No, um, over time that's begun to shift a little bit. So there's been a gradual change with regards to how casual employment is treated. There are a range of unpaid leave entitlements uh, that apply to uh, casuals such as unpaid carer's leave. Uh, There are unpaid leave entitlements where certain conditions are met. Uh, For example, if you are a casual employee employed on a regular and systematic basis for a, a minimum period, say 12 months, you might be entitled or you will be entitled to unpaid parental leave. Uh, But there are also some circumstances that we've seen coming over time where uh, a casual uh, who is regularly and systematically employed may have some paid leave entitlements. And one of the examples that has evolved over time concerns long service leave. So the lines
1: are increasingly becoming blurred by the sounds of it?
0: There's definitely a change occurring. uh, But this case uh, speaks more to a fundamental principle. uh, And that principle is that sticking a label on something may not be effective if it doesn't match the facts. So um, calling someone a casual may not be enough? Uh, That's right. Uh, So the facts, uh, that is the way the employment arrangement actually operates in in practice, uh, need to match the label. So what happened here? Uh, Well so the end result, and spoiler alert, uh, is that an employee who was paid a casual loading successfully argued uh, for payment of leave entitlements. So presumably had to repay the leave loading? No, that's what's interesting, he kept the loading.
1: That sounds a bit like the best of both worlds. Uh, Could you tell me a little bit more about the background for the case?
0: So WorkPack is a labour hire company uh, that contracts casual employees to out to various mining companies.
1: And how long do you work for WorkPack?
0: It's very difficult to get those words out, work for WorkPack. (laughs) Well, almost four years under six consecutive contracts. Six contracts
1: over a four
0: year period, but as a casual? Yeah, that's right. So it's a little unusual uh, in that respect.
1: How did things come to a head?
0: Well, in 2018, uh, Mr Rosato wrote to WorkPAC claiming that he was a permanent employee. That is, he disputed his casual status uh, and stated that he should be paid appropriate leave entitlements under the National Employment Standards. And how did WorkPAC respond to this? Well, WorkPAC disputed that claim and took the matter to the federal court. The employer
1: took it to the federal court?
0: It did. Uh, It's an approach that offers certainty, um, but there's always a risk that it might uh, get away from you, or to put that in Pac-Man terms.
1: And so what did WorkPAC uh, hope to achieve from bringing it to the court?
0: Uh, Two things, really. WorkPAC was seeking a ruling to clarify that Mr Rosato was a casual employee and not a permanent employee as alleged and secondly that in the event that the federal court did determine that Mr. Rosado was a permanent employee uh, that WorkPAC could either set off uh, the 25% casual loading uh, against the leave entitlements that it owed or seek restitution of the 25% loading uh, which it said was then paid in error. So in terms of uh, WorkPAC's claim that Mr. Rosato was a casual
1: employee, Mm -hmm. what were the key features of his employment arrangement that led them to believe that?
0: Yeah, so a couple of things that people should know. The first thing is that the contracts, uh, Mr. Rosato's contracts, did not provide for an end date. Uh, And the second thing that's interesting is that he he did work on a regular and systematic basis. Uh,
1: Regular and systematic basis is a term we've often heard and often used. What does it mean here?
0: Well, in this particular instance, it's quite an extreme form of that. It meant that uh, he was often provided with rosters that were far in advance of, of when he actually worked. So this
1: sounds a, a little bit similar to the WorkPack versus Scheme case from 2018.
0: And it's impossible not to note the similarity of the titles uh, there. So those at home might be detecting something of a theme uh, and that those cases may have something in common.
1: And the facts of this case are very similar to that particular case?
0: So the Skeen case was considered by the Federal Court in the Rosato matter as well. And uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, the uh, full court of the Federal Court upheld the decision uh, in WorkPack and Skeen, stating that the circumstances of Mr Rosato's employment uh, couldn't be distinguished in a material way from those of Mr Skeen. So to
1: refresh everyone's memory, what were the key findings in the Skeen decision?
0: So uh, the case found that just because an employee met the definition of a casual under an industrial instrument, such as an award or enterprise agreement, it did not necessarily mean that the employee would be deemed to be a casual employment for the purpose of the National Employment Standards.
1: And so what did the federal court consider in that case?
0: Well, as the term casual employee is not defined under the Fair Work Act, uh, the determination of whether a person is in fact, in, in a true sense, a casual employee depended on the total nature of the employment arrangement.
1: So really what they're doing is looking at things as they actually are as opposed to how they've been described.
0: In Scheme, the Federal Court held that a casual employee had no firm advance, a commitment from the employer to continuing an indefinite work as well as an agreed pattern of work, and irregular, irregular work patterns, uncertainty, discontinuity, intermittency of work and unpredictability were all considered to be the indicia of casual work. Indicio is
1: a very interesting term to use.
0: Yes, it is. It's a much more uh, nuanced rather than a binary approach. Uh, There are indicators that you can consider in order to reach a conclusion about how best to classify a role.
1: So the arrangement with Mr Rosato was inconsistent with casual employment?
0: It it was. Um, The regularity, uh, the length of the engagement, the certainty through a roster. Uh, as to when work would occur, you can really take your pick as to, you know, which of those items uh, help push it over the edge.
1: So going back to the Rosato decision, the Federal Court seems to have expanded on the previous decision in Scheme. What were the additional considerations?
0: So the additional considerations were really as to whether or not work pack could uh, offset uh, or claim restitution with respect to that casual loading they'd already paid to Mr Rosato against the leave entitlements owed. And can you clarify what was meant by set-off? WorkPAC's argument with respect to a set-off was based on Regulation 2.03a of the Fair Work Regulations. The regulation was actually introduced in 2018 to prevent the possibility of double-dipping, where an employee is incorrectly classified as casual, and the regulation was inserted following the earlier decision in scheme. Mm. So if Regulation
1: 2.03a was intended to prevent double dipping, how is it that the Federal Court found that WorkPAC were not entitled to set off the casual loading against outstanding leave entitlements? I would have thought it goes directly to this issue.
0: And it's a reasonable assumption. So in order for Regulation 2.03a to be applicable, the Federal Court would need to be satisfied that all four criteria within that regulation are met. And we're just going to get those up on screen. So the criteria includes the following. A person is employed by an employer on the basis that the person is a casual employee. The employer pays the person an amount, the loading amount, that is clearly identifiable as an amount paid to compensate the person for not having one or more relevant NES entitlements during a period, the employment period. And during all or some of the employment period, the person was in fact an employee other than a casual employee for the purposes of the National Employment Standards and that the person makes a claim to be paid an amount in lieu of one or more of the relevant NES entitlements.
1: So they sound like they would be applicable in this case.
0: It does, uh, but interestingly it was determined that the existence of sub-regulation D uh, meant that the regulation can only apply where a person makes a claim to receive payment in lieu of one or more of the relevant NES entitlements. Uh, Mr Rosado was seeking payment, payment of the NES entitlements, not payments instead or in lieu or in place of. So the requirements of D were found not to be met. So
1: effectively an employee could receive their 25% loading plus retrospective lead entitlements if no claim for payment in lieu was made.
0: That's correct, and it it essentially becomes a matter of timing.
1: What about the terms of Mr. Rosado's contract? Did the Federal Court uh, consider any common law aspects?
0: Uh, They did. So WorkPAC had asserted that Mr. Rosado was paid well above the minimum rate in the enterprise agreement and that this constituted a casual loading despite being reflected as a flat rate in the contract of employment. So... Workpack didn't clearly distinguish the casual
1: loading from the base rate of pay within the contract.
0: That's correct. The contract also stated that the uh, casual loading was paid in lieu of the leave entitlements, but it didn't include any express terms that would allow the employer to legally claim a set-off or restitution from Mr Rosado in the event that he was improperly classified as a casual. And Were there any additional arguments considered? Uh, There were. So the final uh, consideration of the Federal Court was in relation to the Fair Work Act. Uh, Mr Rosado alleged that the payment of casual loading could not be considered uh, payment for annual leave, as WorkPAC had no legal obligation to pay the leave entitlement at that time, and Mr Rosado didn't take any time off work. Mr Rosado contended uh, that this was a relevant argument as the Fair Work Act expressly prohibits the cashing out of annual leave.
1: And Did the Federal Court agree with that assertion?
0: It did. It accepted that submission.
1: How is this decision being greeted?
0: In a word, it's been greeted variably. Uh, so it really depends on who you listen to. It's either a case of a company getting caught doing the wrong thing by misclassifying someone as casual when they're not really casual at all or alternatively it's the end of civilisation as we know it. Uh, Probably in truth uh, it's somewhere between those two points.
1: What effect will this have on employers engaging casual employees in the future?
0: The first thing it does it suggests that caution is required when it comes to long-term casuals particularly given the possibility of an employee claiming retrospective leave entitlements and double dipping. Um, however, the findings with respect to the criteria for determining whether or not someone is in fact a casual employee, there's nothing new there that's really consistent with the earlier decision uh, in work pack and scheme. So what would you say were the
1: key findings or key lessons from this case?
0: Don't set and forget. Uh, employers need to regularly review their casual employment arrangements to ensure that employees are regularly classified. By taking that step it will assist to mitigate against exposure. Uh, In short, what you want to do as an employer is to make sure the issue doesn't get away from you. So where an employer chooses to engage a casual employee it should ensure that the terms of the employee's written contract are clear and appropriate uh, and separately identifying a casual loading and what it's for. Anything else? If upon a review a person classified as casual is not truly casual, Um, there are casual conversion terms within our enterprise agreements that entitle entitle an employee or an employer to convert the employment to part-time employment. Any last words? So the issue of casual employment is challenging. It's not uncommon, uh, for example, for unions to assert that employers deliberately want to engage people on a casual basis and deny them permanent employment. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case, particularly where the demand for labour uh, is greater than the supply. Um, With the rise of the gig, uh, gig economy comes An expectation from employees about having greater control over when they do and don't work. And that's one of the interesting things that casual employment provides. That's going to be a challenge both for unions and for employers. It's going to require some some discussion and some thinking about how to navigate through that issue. Very interesting. Uh, It is. Um, People can find a copy, obviously, of that decision in full, Uh, but if people have any queries about a particular circumstance, they can uh, contact us or post something on the VHA EYAMA network. Thank you for taking me through it, Tim. Uh, Thanks, Joe. And thanks to Missy Elliott and thanks to Pac-Man. Thanks, Pac-Man. i do